Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 20 is going to be our text that we kind of begin with today. If you're using the Black Bibles, that can be found on page 978. We're taking a break from our series through the book of Joshua today in light of it being Reformation Sunday. And going to look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 and then also a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 later in the sermon. So Ephesians chapter 4, we'll read verses 17 through 20. If you're able, would you stand please in honor of God's word? Please follow along as I, as I read. Let's hear the word of God together. Ephesians four seventeen. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. Well, again, uh, we know that today is Reformation Sunday, that we're celebrating the Protestant Reformation that in in many ways um, went public, I guess you could say, uh, what, about 505 years ago with uh, Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses on the on the church doors there. And one of the mantras of the Reformation is after darkness light. After darkness light. And, and what a fitting description of what was taking place at that time in history. That it, had, it was a very dark time when, when the, the truth of the gospel and, and the access to the word of God was, was being obscured from, from many. But yet God in his grace had preserved a remnant and God in his grace was working in the hearts of men and women and and shining the light of the truth of the gospel and enabling them to rediscover the truth of the gospel and and to proclaim it and to believe it and and all the things that that came out of that, you know, um, hunger for God's word and and access to God's word among among all, all the laity as well. But really, even though that describes that time period, really the reason that mantra, after darkness, light, is used to describe the Reformation is because those were the very truths that were rediscovered. The, the truths of the gospel that, that, that what takes place when God saves someone is that the, the Spirit of God shines the light of the truth and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ into dark and dead hearts. And, and creates life and creates light so that they see the glory of the gospel. So that they see their sin and they see the, the provision of Jesus Christ as their savior. And so after darkness light not only describes yes a time period and, and, a, and a movement in history. But really it describes a, the conversion of each individual person that is saved. That we begin this life dark and dead in our sins, but then God gives us new life and light in Christ Jesus, who is the light of the world. And so, 
thinking about that this week, reading more about that, studying that, and, and just wanting to celebrate and highlight the Reformation today, um, I decided to, to preach on that. So the, and I want to focus on the, that, that picture of darkness and light. And so the title of the sermon today is um, The Light of Christ Dispels the Darkness. The light of the glory of Christ, the light of the glory of the gospel dispels the darkness of sin and death and, and evil. And so we're going to be looking at two main passages today. Uh, certainly there'll be some supporting verses that I mentioned, but, but really just to un- help you understand where we're going today, first we want to consider darkness and then we'll consider light. All right, so those are the two headings, the two parts of the sermon today. And, and the, what goes with them as we think about darkness and light is we're, we're noticing first the need for the gospel. That's darkness, right? And then the power of the gospel. That's light. So if you're taking notes, here's the specific heading I have for each of those parts of the sermon. Number one, the darkness of sin ignorance and separation from God the Bible uses darkness to describe sin ignorance and separation from God and the Bible says that God is light God is life but darkness of course describes separation then from God if God is is life darkness is the absence of life life spiritual life right if darkness if God is light eternal life, then darkness is the absence of that light, the absence of that eternal life. And so think about, and and we won't be able to be exhaustive today, but just think about all the ways the Bible describes this world and, and the people in the world as darkness. The Bible depicts this fallen world system as darkness. It's called the domain of darkness in Colossians 1.13. The, the world is called this present darkness in Ephesians 6.12. It talks about the spiritual warfare that we face in this fallen world. As we heard in our call to worship, uh, it's simply called darkness in 1 Peter 2.9. That God has called us out of darkness, out of that domain and into his marvelous light. So this fallen world system as a whole is described as darkness. And you say, why is that? Well, again, look, think back at, to the beginning. To, to the book of Genesis. To the, or the first man and woman. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They were, they were separated from the glorious presence of God. And since then, the Bible says, every human has been born separated from God's holy presence and every human's been born uh, with a heart that's already bent toward sin and rebellion against God and so this this world was literally plunged into spiritual darkness with the sin of Adam and Eve because again now every person's already enters this life separated from God in the domain of darkness um, and with a heart that's, that's bent towards sin. This fallen world does not know God. Right? That's why the world is described as darkness. This world does not acknowledge God as the creator and ruler over all. 
This world does not seek to worship God, to, to know God according to his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. Instead, the world, if it, if it gives any lip service to God at all, it, it looks to create a God according to its like, liking, according to its understanding. It wants to make God fashion him the way they want him to be, right? So this world is separated from God. This world doesn't know God. And again, the Bible makes it very clear, and certainly we can see that throughout our lives, throughout what happens in life. This fallen world is opposed to Christ. It's opposed to Christ's kingdom. And the Bible describes Satan as the, the prince of the power of the air. And as that prince of the power of the air, Satan then wields this fallen world to keep unbelievers in bondage to sin, to keep unbelievers separated from God. So they're already born that way, separated from God, and then Satan just uh, facilitates this fallen world to, to keep them in darkness, right? I mean, he can do that in a variety of ways. He could use the, the, the lights and the glitter of this fleeting world to distract people from the truth of Christ and from God's glory. Satan certainly, and for many people, uses false religion to to oppose Christianity, to actually persecute Christianity or false religion, to deceive many and lead them down the path of destruction or keep them on that path that they're already on of eternal destruction. Satan uses the, uh, the, the tools, the, the evil system of this world, whether it be substances or pornography or, or greed or, or, or materialism or Various forms of idolatry he uses to, to keep people um, enslaved in their sin. So again, we, and I'm only saying what the Bible says, this world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And we need to remember that reality lest we try to um, be friends of the world, right? And I'm not talking about individual people, I'm talking about friends of the world system, Right? The Bible says we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Well, why are we not to be of the world? Because the world is, is plunged in this spiritual darkness. But the Bible says not only is this fallen world darkness, but the, the Bible actually depicts unbelievers themselves as darkness. We started in Ephesians 4, just look over at Ephesians 5. Verse 8, Paul's writing to believers about their lives before Christ, saying, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Wow. Imagine that, to, be, to say you were darkness. An unbeliever is darkness. So it's not just that the world out there is dark and, and, and sinful, which it is. But the darkness is also in each person's heart by nature. And we see that in our text, don't we? Because again, Ephesians 4, he's speaking to believers and he's, he's saying, um, this is how the Gentiles live. You're not to live that way anymore, but notice how the Gentiles live. Look at the text that we, again, Ephesians 4, 17. This I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds... They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so, again, I just want us to, to consider for a, for a few moments this, this um, reality of spiritual darkness. And like I said in the heading, I broke that into three subgroups, I guess you could say. Darkness describes sin, ignorance, and separation from God. So let's consider each of those briefly. Sin. Darkness describes sin. By nature, we have dark, evil hearts that rebel against God. The Bible says God has written his laws on our, on our conscience. God has revealed his glory in creation. But what does mankind do with that revelation, with that information? Well, by, by nature, mankind suppresses that truth. Romans 1 says man, mankind takes what could be known about God and suppresses that truth by their wickedness. Why? Because of sin in their hearts. They don't want to worship God. They don't want to acknowledge there's a creator. The Bible says we were created to know God. We were created to worship God and bring glory to him. But instead, again, by nature, we ignore God. We break his laws. We rebel against his rule. And we live for ourselves rather than live for him. And that's why the Bible says by nature our hearts are actually enslaved to sin. So it's not just that we do sinful things, even though we do, but our very nature is one of sin and rebellion. We're enslaved to sin apart from Christ. And this reality is taught explicitly in John 8, in Romans 6, in Titus 3, and earlier in this letter in Ephesians 2. But we see it even in our text here that that we're looking at this morning, maybe not explicitly, but it describes that slavery here in Ephesians 4.19, right? When it's saying of the unbelievers that they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You see... See how that's talking about the bondage they're in? Just this, this never-ending uh, pursuit of, of sin and sensuality and things that are opposed to Christ. Rather than walking in the light of God and, and in the light of his commands, unbelievers instead live to satisfy their evil desires of pride, greed, lust, and various forms of selfishness. And again, as I describe this, um, if you're, by God's grace, if you're a Christian, this should remind you of what God has saved you from. And it should also help you, remind you of the unbelievers that you come in contact with, what the re- reality is for them. Right? That they're enslaved to sin. That failing, they fail to recognize who Christ is. They fail to recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he's on his throne. And instead then, unbelievers devote themselves to building their own personal kingdoms of power and pleasure and security. So that's sin, right? When we think of darkness, when we think of that spiritual reality, the Bible, the the metaphor the Bible uses to describe the reality, darkness, well that describes sin. It also depicts ignorance, right? We see that in, in our passage today. This, this idea of ignorance. And, and we even use those cliches in our vernacular today, don't we? We'll talk about, oh, someone has been kept in the dark, right? Or, or we talk about someone being in the dark, meaning they're, they're ignorant to what's going on. 
Well, that describes unbelievers here as well. Again, look at Ephesians 4. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Again, we talk about, oh, I'm, I'm ignorant about this or I'm ignorant about that. And, you know, if it's just, it's no big deal to be ignorant about some things. But tragically, unbelievers are ignorant about the most crucial things, the most crucial truths there are. Things like who Jesus is, what life is all about, how to be made right with God, and, and how to know God personally. Those are the very things they are ignorant about. And, and again, we see in the text here that this ignorance comes... In one respect, it comes from simply not knowing the truth. But there's also a sense that this is a willful ignorance. Like I said earlier, choosing to suppress the truths about God that are plain to them, making them without excuse, Romans 1.20 says. So again, think about the reality of your unsaved neighbors, family members, co-workers. They are ignorant about who Jesus is. They don't know or won't believe that Jesus is Lord of all. That's who Jesus is. He is Lord of all. But unbelievers are ignorant about that. That they're ignorant that having that Jesus having died and rose again, that he now reigns from the Father's right hand, the Bible says, far above all rule and power and authority. They're ignorant of the fact that one day we will all stand before King Jesus at the final judgment. They're ignorant that Jesus is the only Savior, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no no man can come to the Father except through him, John 14, 6. So unbelievers are ignorant about who Jesus is. They're ignorant about what life is all about, right? Right? I mean, what do unbelievers think life is about? Yeah, I mean, we could say different things, right? You know, having fun or, or, or uh, he who dies with the most toys wins or, or, you know, maybe making a difference in this world or whatever, right? But the point is they pursue meaning apart from Christ who is, who is the center of all existence, Unbelievers devote their lives to things like careers or social causes or or education or, or pleasure or family, thinking that in those things they can find lasting peace, in those things they can find meaning and happiness. But just like a person in a maze, a person in a maze in complete darkness, they're lost. And they go down those different roads only to find dead ends. They go down those different roads. They go, they, they go down those different pursuits in life only to find either in this life or certainly tragically in the life to come that those things did not bring lasting joy or peace, that those things do not satisfy the longings of their soul, that those things do not address their most pressing need, and that is reconciliation with God. Unbelievers are ignorant about who Jesus is, about what life is all about. They're also then ignorant about how to be made right with God and how to know him personally. Right? I mean, I am ignorant about a lot of things, you know? I mean, you know, whether it comes to cars or construction or, or cooking or, I mean, you, you name it, right? I'm I'm ignorant. 
but what is the most important thing in life? I mean, what is the most important uh, dilemma or problem that needs to be solved and addressed? It's how, how can a sinful person be made right with a holy God? How can a sinful person hope to be in the presence of a holy God, right? And unbelievers are ignorant about that. To start with, many don't know or don't think about being separated from God. Some unbelievers are aware of their sin and and maybe they are aware of, of some kind of separation from God, but then they're ignorant as to the solution to that. They think that, oh, if I can just do enough good things or if I can just check enough religious boxes, then maybe God will accept me. And those of you who know the the story of Martin Luther, that that was his, that's his biography, right? I mean, he became a a monk of the strictest sect and and, and became like the most devoted monk there was, right? You know, and just trying to, to, uh, through his own efforts, through his own, you know, uh, discipline to make himself right with God. But God in his grace showed him that that doesn't work. You, you can never be good enough. Martin Luther could never find peace because the Bible says that our good works will never make us right with God. The Bible is so clear that salvation comes by grace through faith in Christ alone. But unbelievers are ignorant of this good news. They're ignorant of the gospel They don't know that God in his great love has sent his only son to earth to live a perfect life and die on the cross in the place of sinners. They don't know that then Jesus rose on the third day proving, right? They may know something about, okay, yeah, you know, the cross and empty tomb, but, but why did all that happen? They don't understand why Jesus died, that he was paying for the sins of his people, that he was bearing and satisfying the wrath of, of all, uh, the wrath that, that, that we deserve, and, and that by rising again, now he proves his victory over sin and death. By rising again, he proves that his sacrifice fully pays for the sins of all who repent and believe. They don't know that. This is the good news that they need to know. This is the good news that we need to know. For one, that we would believe it, and for two, that we can communicate it. Unbelievers don't know that we cannot make ourselves right with God But the good news is that total forgiveness is given freely to all who by faith embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's what we mean when we say salvation is by grace. It's a gift that's given freely. We don't deserve it and we can't earn it. But God is a a gracious God and in his gracious and, and for his glory he has given his son he's given salvation to all who believe so we've talked about darkness depicting sin now we've talked about darkness depicting ignorance and some of the things that unbelievers are ignorant about lastly then we want to consider how darkness describes separation from God we see that in our text again verse 18 says they are alienated from the life of God Wow, that is a strong statement. That word alienated, it means not only is there distance between them and God. In other words, yes, not only are they separated from God, but it it shows that 
They have actually sinned against God. They, they are the ones that have created this, this separation, this enmity. They've forsaken God. They've turned their back on God. They've hardened their heart to God. And that's why they're alienated from the life of God. I mean, think about it. Again, just use an illustration. It's not a perfect illustration, but it's, it's bad enough, right? It's it, if a, if a, to have a child who becomes lost from his family, right? Maybe some of your parents have experienced that. You know, a child is lost, you know, at the park or in a store or whatever. That's bad enough. But it's even worse to have a child who hates his family, who openly rebels against his family, who leaves the home with hatred, who would destroy his family if he could. And that's, that's the truth of all, all who are apart from Christ. That's what sin is. It's not just that, oh, we're, we're separated from God and we're looking for him. No, it's we're, we told God to buzz off and what did people do with, with God when he actually came and visited his creation? They killed him. They said he will not rule over us. That's the picture of unbelievers here in Ephesians 4. It's not just lost, it's not just separated, but it's alienated from God. They've rebelled against God, they're at enmity with God, they've turned their back on God, and they've plunged themselves into darkness. And verse 18 again drives home their dire situation, their dire predicament and reality as they are alienated not just from God but from the life of God. Right? Again, God is life. God is light. They have set themselves up against God, the only source of life. Think of how dire that is. They're at war with their creator. They're at war with their final judge. They have forsaken their only savior. They are in darkness. And when you put all this together, even for the few moments we've been considering it, I hope you're, you see what a great darkness unbelievers are in. Separated from and opposed to God, enslaved to sin, ignorant of God, ignorant of, of salvation through Christ, lost and trapped and unable to find a way out, deceived, going down all the wrong roads. This is the condition of the fallen world, loved ones. This describes every person apart from Christ. Darkness. Darkness. But praise God that the story doesn't end with darkness, right? There is a second heading because of what God is doing and has done through his son, Jesus Christ. And that heading is light. Specifically, heading number two is the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. This world is in darkness. Individuals are in darkness. But God in his amazing love and mercy has invaded this darkness. God has sent his eternal son, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, into this world of darkness. The saving light of Christ has pierced the darkness, bringing salvation and new life. 
Matthew 4.16 says of the coming of Christ, quoting from the Old Testament, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. That was describing Christ and his ministry and the salvation that he brings. Jesus entered into this world of sin and evil and he lived a perfect life under God's law yet willingly died on the cross bearing the sin and guilt of his people and then three days later Jesus rose again in victory over the darkness, in victory over sin and death showing that his sacrifice fully pays for the sins of all who believe. Jesus himself said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Isn't that a great statement? You will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Praise God he didn't leave this world in darkness without the light. He sent his son. And that's not all he did, right? God didn't stop just with sending Jesus. No, more was needed than than just that and understand what I mean by that. Because we are dead in our sins, that means that left to ourselves, we would not turn to Jesus. Left to ourselves, we would stay in the dark rather than coming to Jesus, the light of the world, in repentance and faith. Left to ourselves, we would not turn to Christ. We love our sin. We want to stay in the dark. And again, remember, left to ourselves, we are ignorant of who Christ is and the significance of what he has done. But again, praise God, he did not leave us in the dark. He, does, he did not leave us in our spiritual ignorance and deadness of heart. And for that, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So you're turning back just a couple of books to page 965, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, thinking about the light of the glory of Christ, dispelling the darkness, piercing the darkness. And this passage is is one of my favorite passages, talking about how God has done that in our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. There's the gospel, by the way, right? In a nutshell. Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul says that's what we're proclaiming. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture of the sovereign grace of God. He's hearkening back to Genesis 1, isn't he? Genesis 1 says that in the beginning, darkness covered this world. And what did God do? God said, let there be light. And there was light. God, by his spirit, powerfully created life and light through his very words. That's what he did physically back in Genesis 1. 
And what we understand now, what the Bible is teaching is what God did physically in Genesis, he now does spiritually in the hearts of all who believe. God powerfully shines the truth of who Christ is into our dead and dark hearts. The Spirit then gives us new life. The Spirit opens our eyes to who Jesus is and opens our eyes to our great need of him. Right? The light of the gospel, the light of Jesus exposes our sin. It it shows us our spiritual bankruptcy before a holy God. The light of the gospel then shows us our sin, but also points us to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God shows us the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God shows us that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that he willingly left the glories of heaven to die as a substitute for his people, that he willingly bore the wrath of of his Father, the wrath that we deserve, that he became a curse for us in order to save us, that he was forsaken so that we would be forgiven, that his suffering and death fully pays the penalty for our sins. And and God, by by the gospel and by his Spirit, through the word of God, shows us the truth That Jesus, having done that, he he did not stay in the grave. He did not stay on the cross. No, he rose from the dead on the third day in victory over sin and death. And so this sovereign, life-giving grace of God overpowers the darkness within us. The the Spirit replaces our dead heart with a new heart that loves God and believes in Jesus and, and is committed to following him. The Spirit sets us free from bondage to sin and gives us new life by uniting us to Christ's death and resurrection. Ephesians 2, Romans 6 talk about these truths. And so as we think about the Reformation today, as we think about that mantra, after darkness, light, believer today, that's your story. That's your testimony and mine too. After darkness, light. We once, Ephesians 5, 18, right? We once were darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. So Christian today, praise God that you are no longer in the dark. Praise God that you are no longer ignorant of of salvation, no longer ignorant of who Jesus is. Praise God that you're no longer separated Yes, even alienated from God. No, now you've been brought near us who were far off, Ephesians 2 says. We've been brought near all the way into union with the triune God as we sang in one of our songs. Wow. Praise God for that grace and that power. Praise God for sending Jesus the light of the world. Praise God. May we... Constantly praise God for, like Colossians 1.13 says, for delivering us from the domain of darkness and placing us in the kingdom of his beloved son. Praise God for shining his light of life into your dead heart. And if there are any here today who have never turned from Christ, or excuse me, turned from their sin and turned to Christ, I hope you understand from the word of God today that you are in darkness You may have a plan, you may be trying to live a good life, you may think, you know, you're just trying to, uh, you know, be be a good person or whatever, but 
again, the Bible says you are in darkness. You're, you're, you're alienated from God, from the creator. But you don't need to stay in the darkness. The, the, the call of the gospel is to come to the light, to, to forsake your sin, to turn from that, that life of bondage, to turn from that life of, of living for yourself, to turn from that life of darkness and separation from God and run to the light. Embrace the light of the world. Embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, by God's grace, by his enabling, I want to live for Christ now. I understand that this world is not all about me. It's not about me trying to, to find pleasure or purpose. No, this world is about Jesus, the risen and exalted Lord. And it's only his kingdom that's eternal. Kingdoms of this world are going to perish. But the kingdom of God lasts forever. And so by God's grace, he offers entrance into that kingdom through repentance and faith in Christ. So if you've not done that today, turn from the darkness and come to the light. Because in the light you will find eternal life, knowledge, with God, knowledge of God, reconciliation with God, adoption into his family, joy and peace that this world knows nothing about. We heard it in our scripture reading today, the the. the conversion and call of, of Paul to, to gospel ministry. And I was just struck by verse 18 of Acts 26 where Paul is saying, this is what God called me to, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's the gospel call. Turn from darkness and turn to light. Turn from being, having a sin debt you cannot pay to forgiveness of sins. Turn from the power of Satan who just wants your destruction and, and enter into the kingdom of Christ who is a good and perfect and holy king. Turn from alienation from God, separation from, from the people of God and find a place among God's people. Among those, at verse 18 of Acts 26 says, who are sanctified, who've been set apart. How? Because they're so good? No. By God's grace. They've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. They've been delivered from the domain of darkness and placed in his kingdom. Won't you be a part of that kingdom today? Why would you stay in the domain of darkness? Forsake your sin and by faith embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. As I talk about that, as I have described this today, the darkness and light, I, I, I trust and I'm sure that many of you can remember what it was like to be lost in the dark, can't you? You remember what it was like to be without Christ, to not have the peace of forgiveness, to not have that, that assurance of being right with God. Maybe some of you know what it was like to be trapped in the darkness of false religion or to be stuck in sin and secularism. M many of you know what it was like to be blind to the beauty of Christ crucified, risen, and exalted. You thought Jesus Christ was just a, a, a curse word or it was just a, a story. You didn't know and, and understand the glory of, of who Jesus is. 
how beautiful he is, how loving, how powerful. Praise God. God did not leave you in that darkness. God did not leave you in that ignorance. He graciously brought the gospel into your life. He powerfully gave you the new birth. He lovingly drew you to himself in repentance and faith. So again, Abounding Grace Church, praise God for his grace today. Praise God for his grace. He has saved us so that we will know him. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why? So that we will declare his praises He drew us to himself so that we would live for him. And so let us continually praise him. Let us continually live for him. Let us daily seek him who has saved us by his grace. And let us, and this is my closing application, let us keep shining the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Let us keep proclaiming the truth that Jesus is Lord and Savior so that others can be rescued from the darkness of sin and separation from God. I hope we've been reminded today, loved ones, that this world needs Jesus. They are trapped in darkness. They are lost and headed for eternal separation from God. They need the light of Christ. And be reminded, be encouraged, be emboldened today that the the light of Christ dispels the darkness. Because I know when we look out, we, we see the darkness. We see people trapped in darkness. We see people steeped in sin and wickedness. We see people blind to the truth of who Christ is. We see people opposed to Christ and, and persecuting his people. Because as the passage says earlier, Satan has blinded them to the glory of who Christ is and when we see all that we can get discouraged and it can just feel impossible and overwhelming but it's not impossible with God again that is the testimony of each of us that's a, that would that's Paul's testimony he was a persecutor of the church he he didn't know who Jesus was he thought Jesus was a blasphemer and he thought all those who followed him were blasphemers but God powerfully shone into his heart the glory of who Christ is, and God is still doing that today. And so let us, by faith, prayerfully take the gospel to the, to the lost. Keep shining the light. Keep praying for your unsaved friends and family. Keep proclaiming Christ. Keep shining the light of who Jesus is and what he has done. God is more powerful than Satan. Yes, unbelievers are in the domain of darkness, but God can set them free. Yes, unbelievers have been blinded by Satan, but God can open their eyes. And he does it through the gospel. God is still setting captives free, so let us not lose hope. Let us keep praying and keep proclaiming Christ to our families, to our friends, and to our co-workers. And one final encouragement. Remember, the darkness will not win in the end. Right? One day, right? I, I, again, I know we are in this world, but not of this world. We're children of light in the midst of, of this dark world still. But one day, Jesus will return and destroy the evil forces of darkness once and for all. And when he returns, he will usher us into his eternal kingdom, where the Bible says there is no sin, there is no darkness. There's no pain or or crying anymore. 
And the Bible says then we will live forever in the light of the glory of the Lord. Praise God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we praise you for this, for this wonderful truth that after darkness, light. That the light of Christ dispels the darkness. And Lord, I join with all my brothers and sisters here today and just like we've already sung, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being the light of the world. Thank you for coming and, and, and living and dying in our place. Thank you for showing us the truth of the gospel. For de- declaring what we, uh, that we must repent and believe. For, for calling and saving your, your disciples and equipping them to proclaim the gospel. For giving us your word. And Father, we thank you for sending your spirit. Lord, whether we were, were a, a young child in a Christian home or whether we were an adult living on our, own, on our own, all of us who believe today at one point were in darkness. And yet you graciously and powerfully shone the light of Jesus Christ. And you called us out of that darkness and drew us to yourself. And we praise you for that. Thank you that we are now light in the Lord, that we share in the inheritance of the saints and light. And so encourage us today with this truth that the light of Christ dispels the darkness. And Father, we pray for, for evidence of that all around us. We pray that you will help us to proclaim this light, proclaim the truth of the gospel. And we pray that you would show the power of of Christ, the power of your gospel by saving many around us, Lord. May we see many conversions. May we see many baptisms. May we continue to hear about your kingdom growing all around this world. May you help us to rejoice and and walk in the light as we await your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and Sing another song of praise.